You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Tonight, Revelation chapter 2. I don't know where 20 came from. Uh, Revelation 2. And we are going through the, uh, the churches, the seven churches of Asia Minor. Revelation chapter 2. And if you're physically able, go ahead and stand with me. We'll read verses 18 to 20. We'll read that together. And then uh, on, uh, let's see here, on Sunday, we sent uh, Nicholas off, and he was uh, going to the army. And so anyway, I got a text from him earlier today, and he said, Pastor, I probably won't be able to talk to you again. Uh, So he was signing off. He must have had his digital devices being taken away. Uh, But anyway, just... uh, uh, shot us a text and uh, got to shoot him something back real quick, but uh, we won't hear anything for a few weeks at least. Uh, but anyway, uh, be in prayer for Nicholas if you would. All right, Revelation chapter two. Let's look at verse number eighteen. We'll read. Uh, I'll read eighteen. Join me on nineteen, and then I'll close on verse twenty. The Bible says, "And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write: These things saith the Son of God." Who hath eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Here we have the Lord addressing the fourth church uh, here in Revelation 2 and 3. And as we look at this fourth church, we're going to find that there were some uh, things that they were being uh, commended on, uh, and the list was pretty lengthy. And this one church... Though it was the smallest city of all the seven churches and the cities that they're listed in, this is the smallest church, as in the smallest city, yet we find the, the largest uh, amount of information about. The letter here in this fourth church is longer than any other uh, church that was addressed. And with that, there were some things that the Lord was upset with. And though there were some wonderful things that they were doing, there were also some things that they were allowing. And we're going to look at this church in Thyatira tonight. We looked at the church of Ephesus, and the church of Ephesus was the careless church. We looked at the church of Smyrna. That was the crown church. We looked at the church at Pergamos, and that was the compromising church. But tonight we're going to look at the church of Thyatira, and the church of Thyatira was the corrupt church. The corrupt church. What a terrible title. What a terrible thing to classify a church as, as a corrupt church. But that could be any church. We'd like to think that we are nowhere near any of that, but we could be there as well. 
and we've got to guard. God has given us these letters to help us have some, some checkpoints, something that we can look at and say, okay, we're, we're within these boundaries we're, or we're stepping across some lines that we shouldn't cross. And so here we want to look at this church and gain some, admoni- or gain some uh, information and some learning from them, uh, not to condemn them. Because we could all do the exact same thing. And even when we are doing right, there are still areas in our life that if the Lord stopped and pointed our life out for everybody, he'd have some things to say. And so let's, let's look at this tonight as an opportunity to learn and glean, not as an opportunity just to tear this, this specific church apart, uh, but something that can help us. Uh, Father, I do pray that you'd help us this evening. Thank you for your word and, and how you have given it to us. And Lord, help us not to be proud. Lord, we, are, uh, we fail you in so many areas and so many ways. And, and I pray that you would help us just to uh, glean some things that would be a help. Uh, maybe there's the, the things that are being addressed in this church, they might not be things that we are dealing with. Uh, but Lord, uh, help us to put up some uh, markers, some flags, some uh, warning signs that uh, if we start going the wrong direction, that you would, you would help us. If there are areas that we have gone the wrong way, I pray that you would just convict us and bring us to where we need to be. Uh, but Lord, you know the condition of each one of our hearts. And we just come before you tonight uh, looking forward to meeting with you and uh, you speaking to us. And so enlighten us, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. You can be seated. So Thyatira was a city in Asia Minor, and uh, this city, uh, as I said, was the smallest of the cities that were addressed in the seven churches there in Revelation 2 and 3. And uh, this uh, church, though, had the longest dialogue uh, that was there. Uh, sometimes the dialogue, uh, sweet and simple is good, uh, but right here, this one wasn't sweet and simple. This one was longer and a little bit more probing uh, than in some of the other churches. There were some problems, uh, and the Lord was very direct. He was very to the point addressing these issues, and he didn't call any. He didn't. Uh, uh, he didn't call back or hold back any punches. Uh, he was very clear. So there were some big problems in this church, and this church got called out. Uh, so uh, this church. Uh, this church in Thyatira, or this city in Thyatira, uh, it was known for trade. Uh, and they say that wool was one of the major trades of that city. Uh, take your Bibles, go to Acts chapter number 16. Uh, there is a lady that's mentioned that uh, we look at, uh, and, uh, and she was in this city of Thyatira, And as soon as we mention her name, you will know exactly who she is. Acts chapter 16, look at verse number 14. The Bible says, And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, 
uh, which worship God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of by Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So Lydia, uh, this lady who got saved under the ministry, uh, and she got, got saved, and now she is uh, ministering to the servants of the Lord right off the bat. Uh, and she was a, uh, a a lady that was a businesswoman and was working and uh, was a seller of purple. Uh, and she was from that town. So uh, that town uh, was a, a town that they say historically uh, was uh, one of a lot of trade. And the, one of the major trades was wool, which makes sense with Lydia being the seller of purple to make the different colored clothing and whatnot. Uh, but Thyatira was also a place that had a special, uh, it, was, it had a special temple that was dedicated to Apollo. Now, Apollo was the sun god. And so this was a place that uh, there was uh, a lot of emphasis on idolatry. And so Apollo, as the sun god, that was, his temple was there in Laodicea. Uh, and that was probably the reason why the Lord used some of the uh, the terms that he used here uh, in the salutation. Uh, look again with me at verse 18. It says, And unto the angel at the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God. Now notice, uh, this is the only time the phrase Son of God is used in the book of Revelation. And it's not used anywhere else, but it is used when it's referring to Apollo, the town that had Apollo, who was the sun god. And Jesus, as he is addressing this church, uh, it wasn't the sun god, it was the son of God. And he was, uh, he was I believe he was making a point of, a, of an issue that was something that these people dealt with. Uh, I was just talking with Brother York before the service. Uh, and we were talking about just the Bible and how when we read the Bible, isn't it amazing how things jump out at us based on the circumstances of what we're dealing with in that point in our life? It's just amazing how God does that. And, and then later you'll deal with something completely different and the Bible, the same verses will speak to our heart in a different way. And it's like, well, I didn't get that from the verse last time when I was looking at it, but God can take his word and just use it uh, to, to a th impact our lives based on what we uh, deal with. So the Lord's description here that was that he was the word of God. Now, the son, or the son of God. So the son of God, that phrase is used 59 times in the Bible, only one time in the book of Revelation, and it's only used here once uh, with that church in Thyatira. Uh, so it says in verse 18, he said, uh, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire. And so uh, with that, this church that the Lord is revealing himself to, and he's writing to, uh, he starts with who he is, and now there's some descriptions about him. And his eyes are like a flame of fire. Have you ever been with somebody that when you looked at them, you felt like they knew exactly what you were thinking? Like they could see into your soul? The Lord, his eyes 
are eyes that can look into our soul. And this church is getting ready to be brought into a what they were doing a lot of good things, but now the Lord is getting ready to shift. And he is, he is now telling them who he is, and he's telling about his eyes. There is a flame of fire. They are piercing. They are revealing. And he is going to look into this church and he's going to pull some things out that they probably didn't grasp. They probably didn't realize was there. Uh, And so his eyes, uh, the Son of God, his eyes as a flame of fire. His feet, he said, as fine brass. Now, his feet as fine brass. Now, brass in the Bible is a symbol of judgment. And when we look in the Old Testament, we see the altars. They were uh, the brazen altar. It was made of brass and the judgment of God. It represented judgment. It represented uh, the, uh, the outpouring of God's wrath, his judgment on sin. And so here, when we're looking at uh, here, he's, he has his feet uh, as fine brass. Uh, you know, the Lord's stance on things, his judgments... They're always right. His position is always right. Wherever he stands, he's standing right. And what he is standing on is right. And it doesn't matter what our feelings or our thoughts or what our culture or what anybody else imagines, where he is, his position is what is going to be the standard, not what we think. You know, it's not that God doesn't care what we think because He cares about us, but He doesn't care what we think. He cares about us, but what truth is, that's what matters. And... He stands on truth. His judgments, wherever he stands, that's where the true judgment's at. That's where the true balance is going to be. And so we look at him here, and he just reveals a little bit about who he is. And now in verse 19, he's going to get in and show, first of all, he's going to show the approval, uh, what this church is doing right. Uh, Look with me, verse 19. I know thy works and charity and service, and faith, and patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Uh, so here, uh, when you look at these words, and you do a Bible stu- word study on them, first of all, he said, I know thy works. Now, the word works here literally just means acts or deeds. The Lord's looking at him and saying, listen, I know what you are doing. I see what you are doing. And, and there is, this is, a, uh, is a, a commendation. It wasn't this, they weren't doing anything wrong here. He was saying that they were doing things that were right uh, for him. So he said, I know your deeds, your acts. He said, I know your charity. The word charity there is love and affection. He says, I know your acts, your deeds. I know your love. So this was, this was a church 
And he's talking about a, a body of believers. Uh, and granted, uh, it is collectively, it is not every single individual. Uh, there, there are some that have more love than others have. There are some that have more deeds than others have. He goes on, uh, he says, thy service. Uh, the word service there is diacono, ania, diaconia, and it is works that benefit others. And so here he's saying, I know your works, and then uh, he separated that out again and saying, okay, your service. So now the works, these are good things that they're doing, but then he's saying, I know your service, uh, the things that you are doing that benefits other people. And so this church was a church that was, was doing something for, uh, for other believers, maybe for the community. Uh, we're not sure. He says also, he says, I know your works your charity, your service, your faith, and faith. Now, the word faith there is pistis, and the word pistis literally means trust in the gospel. I know your trust in the gospel. He, so this, this commendation is something, this was a group of people, and, and as a whole, uh, they, had, they are saved individuals, uh, they, they, have, they are serving others, they are serving God, they have got works that they're doing, uh, there's love, there's affection, that faith that's uh, there. Uh, he said, uh, and patience. Now patience here, he's talking about steadfastness. Endurance. You're not. You're. You are. Uh, they were uh, standing up to the the burdens. They were uh, continuing. They weren't in and out, up and down. Uh, they they had patience and they were uh, steadfast. Uh, and then he says again. He closes it with works, and it's the same works as what he had said before. It's the same acts or deeds. And he says, in the last to be first. So he has bookended this church as he's looking at them and he's saying, I see your works. He says, I see your charity, your service. I see your faith. I see your patience. And then I see your works. And these works that you end with are better than the works that you started with. And so this was, this was a commendation in this church that they were doing uh, a lot of good things. And the last works uh, were better than the first, so the, their works, they were increasing. It wasn't just a stagnant, we're staying status quo, they were, their works were growing. They were continuing in their works. And so this church was not a passive church. They were doing a lot of good, uh, a lot of good works, and good works are good, but good works don't negate error. And here, as he commends them for this, we see in verse number 20, we're going to see an accusation. Now the Lord is going to start pointing out some of the error. He said, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. 
and I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. And so here now, the Lord is continuing. He starts nailing some things that they were doing, but he, he pulls it together and says, he says, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts. He said, listen, he said, it's not just anybody that's searching the reins and the hearts, it's me. It's the one that has the eyes of a flame of fire. It's I who, who am the Son of God. It's I who have the feet of, as of fine brass. And he said, I'm the one that's searching the reins. I'm the one who is calling out this error. I'm the one who's pointing out these problems. And so uh, as he's doing so, uh, he's letting them know uh, what their problem was. So this, this uh, group of believers... They had the attention of the Lord. And they had the attention of the Lord not for the good, but for the bad. You know, when we look at the church, the churches, out of these first four churches, one of those four churches didn't have any correction. And when we look at when we look at this church, what do we find is we find that uh, there is some correction and the Lord's, the Lord's keyed in on it. He said, I have somewhat against thee. Now, does that mean the Lord's not loving? Absolutely not. But he said, these, these things, I've got, I've got something against you because there are some things that they allowed in. And so uh, it, this assembly of believers had the attention not just for the good that they were doing, but for the bad that they were accepting. This church was a tolerant church. And they tolerated things that ought not be. You know, tolerance is a good thing as long as we're not tolerating sin. The problem with sin is sin has somebody's face tied to it. And because we love the individual, it's often easy to start tolerating sin. Because we care about them. But the Lord here is looking at it, and he loves them. But he has something against them because of what they are tolerating. They are allowing some things to go on, and we're talking about in the church. We're talking about in the church, things are happening. And the Lord said, listen, this is not acceptable. And he is calling them out on that, and he, he, he nails it down. No amount of love and sacrificial works can compensate for the tolerance of evil. We can't do enough good to offset our, our ignoring evil. We can't just say, well, we're doing so much good that, you know, we'll just let this slide. You remember the church in Corinth? And there, there was a man uh, that was having an immoral relationship with his mother-in-law. And this relationship, the 
the church in Corinth and 1 Corinthians, they tolerated it. Paul writes to them and he nails them on it. He nails them because they were boasting that they were tolerant because, you know, we just love everybody. You can love everybody without tolerating sin. And Paul, Paul corrects it. Well, then with that, they were supposed to put him out of the church. They put him out of the church because he didn't repent. Then later, uh, he gets it right. And when he gets it right, the church is like, no, we're not letting you back in. Well, 2 Corinthians, you have Paul writing to them and saying, no, if he gets things right, you need to let him back in. But you don't let him back in if there is uh, still that sin. There, there had to be repentance. And so there was, this, uh, there was that tolerance of sin that was being addressed. Now, that's the same thing that is being addressed here in this passage of Scripture. Uh, the Lord was seeing uh, what they were embracing. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the Bible Exposition Commentary says this, it's interesting to contrast the churches at Ephesus and Thyatira. The Ephesian church was weakening in its love, yet faithful to judge false teachers while the people in the assembly at Thyatira were growing in their love, but too tolerant of false doctrine. Both extremes must be avoided in the church. Speaking the love in truth uh, is the biblical balance. So, unloving orthodoxy on one side and loving compromise on the other side, neither one is right. And so, uh, trying to stand for truth, speaking the, the tr truth in love, uh, Ephesians 4.15. So, the Lord's eyes here, he's looking at it. He's the one that is, uh, he is the one that is, uh, that is judging the hearts, uh, the reins of man. And so, he's looking at what was going on. Uh, and, you know, in the Christian life, it doesn't matter what we feel is right. It matters what God says is right. Romans 13, 12 says, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. John, 1 John 1, 6, he says, uh, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You see, it doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't really matter what we think. You know, truth is truth no matter who says it. Truth is truth whether an atheist says it. Truth is truth whether it's somebody that loves the Lord or does not love the Lord. Truth is truth. And and here, when we look at this, uh, it says, if we f say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So what was this church doing? They allowed Jezebel to teach. Now, whether or not there was a literal woman named Jezebel uh, that was in this church who had called herself the prophetess, uh, whether that was her name or that was a name that God has ascribed to her uh, as as being associated with Jezebel of the Old Testament, uh, the godless woman who hated uh, the prophets of God, who had the prophets, she killed as many as she could get her hands on. Uh, and, and so uh, this woman, Jezebel, so verse 20, 
Revelation 2.20. It says, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now, we've got to remember, this is what's going on inside the church. It's hard to, it's hard to imagine. Now, was the fornication a literal fornication that was taking place within the walls of the church? I do not believe so. I believe uh, the Lord is identifying their, their, that they have allowed false idols, idolatry in. And then he talks about uh, having, having their, uh, it said that, uh, verse 20, it says, uh, to commit, commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And so uh, adultery, fornication, immorality has always been referred to when it talks about uh, a, uh, false gods and idolatry. And so when God looks at his people, when they turn away from him unto idols, uh, when they turn away from him uh, to another God, uh, God says, you are, you are having an adulterous affair. And that was how he, had, he used it all through the Old Testament. And so I believe that that is the case here. Was there potentially some immorality going on? It was very prominent in that day because the, the false gods uh, their temples, they would have uh, temple prostitutes. And so there was literally uh, a, uh, a very immoral situation that would go on in these false, uh, these false temples. And so some of that may have gone on, uh, we don't know. But uh, here he is saying that uh, they have allowed, this church has allowed this woman to teach and to seduce uh, the servants of the Lord to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. So, so here you have this church that is now allowing this woman uh, to teach them. Uh, and the address was to the angel at the church of Thyatira. So now this pastor is allowing other people to be put in position to influence the flock. He is allowing people to influence the flock, not just allowing the people to influence the flock, he is allowing a lady to, to have that position of teaching uh, and leadership there, uh, and she is a self-identified prophetess. She calleth herself a prophetess. It wasn't that she was a prophetess, she called herself a prophetess. It was a self-appointed spiritual leader. Have you ever been around some self-appointed spiritual leader? And you know what? It's, it's never a good thing. That's why we've got to be careful on who we allow to have opportunity to, to influence. And this, this woman, she was a self-identified prophetess, which calleth herself a prophetess. So the Lord didn't identify her as a prophetess. The Lord is later going to identify her as a prostitute. He is going to... He is going to flip that whole side and he's going to reveal what, uh, how he viewed her. So she was permitted by the church to teach and to seduce the body of believers. And, and what was it? Uh, to commit fornication 
and to eat things sacrificed to idols. So the idolatry, uh, the compromise that's pictured there uh, as fornication and adultery. Go to Jeremiah chapter number 3. Jeremiah chapter 3. Uh, you might want to put this cross-reference uh, there with Revelation chapter uh, 2 there. Uh, so Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 6. We'll read down to verse number 8. Jeremiah chapter 3, look with me at verse 6. Jeremiah 3, 6. The Lord said also unto me, In the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She has gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, turn thou unto me, but she returned not. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And I saw, when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce, yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. So this is just showing how God looked at uh, when God's people turned away from him. Uh, he looked at it as a wife that was uh, turning away from uh, the, the husband uh, and, and playing the harlot. And that's how God views that uh, when his people turn away from him and turn to false gods. So, uh, so here now, this, this woman Jezebel, she represented all the evil that Jezebel of the Old Testament uh, uh, had done, uh, and she was unrepentant of her sins. Look back at Revelation 2.21. Revelation 2.21. He says, And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Isn't God a merciful God? Think about how long-suffering here you have somebody that's in the church trying to get everybody off track and God still gives them time to repent. God's long-suffering. He's a merciful God. Uh, what a blessing. He has a, his patience, though, it does have a timeline. And now that timeline's over. He said, I've given her time to repent. She has not repented. Uh, so now we see that, uh, that there is judgment coming. You know, we can choose our, cho our, our decisions to do wrong, but we cannot change the, uh, choose the consequences. We can choose to do whatever we want to do. It's my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. You and I have that choice. We have that freedom. But we do not have the freedom to choose how God's going to judge it the consequences. And sometimes we see how God will give one person a different consequence. Have you ever been pulled over for speeding? Have you ever had a ticket for speeding? Okay. Have you ever been pulled over for speeding and got... A pass. Same law, same justice, but in that situation, in that instance, there was a different judgment. God knows exactly where we're at, 
And he knows if we're going to repent. He knows if we are going to make changes. And maybe he's going to deal with one harder than the other, but it's not that God is an unjust God. It's that God is a merciful God. And so we see here now the judgment. Look at verse 22. He says, Behold, I will cast her into a bed. Now, remember, he looks at this as an adulterous affair. So he said, Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into the great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So he is even giving the people who are listening to Jezebel, the followers of Jezebel, and we're talking about within the church. We're talking about someone who is teaching false doctrine in the church, who is trying to lead astray other people, and the Lord has given both those who are deceiving, those who are being deceived. He gives them both an opportunity to repent. But if there isn't that repentance, verse 23, and I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he, which searcheth the reins and the hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. And so there's judgment that is coming. And uh, some say that the word kill here is the same word uh, that uh, uh, is used for pestilence in other passages of Scripture. I didn't have the opportunity to uh, chase that all the way out. But when it says that I will kill their children, uh, it, was, it was a judgment. And they believed that it was a judgment by pestilence. Uh, and you know, it's amazing how God uses sickness to get people's attention. It's amazing how he can use sickness. How many times did we see that, uh, that judgment uh, was used by God? Uh, pestilence, when David numbered the people, uh, they died. Uh, what was there? There was, there was pestilence that was there. Uh, when we look at Egypt, we see that judgment. What was it? It was pestilence. Uh, so God uses that sometimes. Uh, and not in every situation, just because somebody gets sick doesn't mean that God is judging them. Uh, but, but God does use the situations like this. We've seen it in the Bible. Uh, So this church was an example to all the churches not to tolerate false doctrine. It was a, this church was being used as an example to say, don't do this. All the churches shall know. He says, when I judge this church, Everybody's going to know that it was me that was judging them. There will be no wondering about it. Everybody will know it's me. And so this church was a, was a church that was, was judged. He said, I will kill her children. So it was Jezebel and the followers. So he was going to throw Jezebel in the bed and judgment was coming. And then the, the followers were going to be there as well. And the offspring, everything that was going to come out of that uh, false doctrine, that false teaching was going to be under the judgment of God. So, uh, so here we see that, that accusation. Thirdly, we see the admonition. And I have to hasten. Look at verse 24. It says, But I say unto you, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast until I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end 
To him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of the potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give to him the morning star, and he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And so here we see in verse 24 that even though the Lord was, was addressing this church, not everybody in the church was a part of this false doctrine. And the Lord says to those that have not known the depths of Satan, those that have not gotten engaged and involved in this treachery, he said, to you, you just hold fast till I come. He says, I'm coming back for you. You know, what a blessing. He's coming back for us. No matter what goes on, how bad things get, we've, we have a, a God who is coming back for us. And so uh, he said here, to those who have not known the depths of Satan, that false doctrines, the idolatry, he said in verse 25, hold fast till I come. This is the first mention of the rapture in the book of Revelation. And of course, that's referring to the Lord coming back to uh, to get his own. So 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, 13 to 18, uh, we see the rapture there. Uh, But then he goes on and he says in verse 26, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Now, uh, the Lord has promised that as we have overcome, that when he comes back, that we will rule and reign with him. So not only does he address the rapture, he also addresses the millennial reign of Christ in this passage as well. And he's, re- he's referring to that when we come back with him and he reigns down here, that we will come with him. And he said he'll give us power over the nations. And so that's for those who are the overcomers. And then, so when we look, look at these churches and we look at uh, the church at Ephesus, this church that had labored and who had patience and who hated evil. We look at the church at Pergamos. The Bible says that they held fast the Lord's name and his faith, and there were martyrs among them. We look at the church at Thyatira with these works and charity and service and patience and works. And then we look at the church at Smyrna. The church at Smyrna was the one that the Lord looked at and he's, he, that was the church that he was holding up as the spiritual church. But I wonder what church we would have looked at as a spiritual church. You know, there are a lot of churches that just want to promote tolerance. Ignore right, wrong, judgment. Ignore truth. We just need to love everybody and accept everything. That is not God's way for his church. The Lord demands purity. That's why his eyes is that flame of fire. Purity. He is not, it doesn't matter how much good we do, he's not going to ignore something that's impure. He's not going to give us a pass Well, you have bus routes, you have classes, you have outreach, you have RU, you have this, that, or the other. If there's sinful behavior going on within the 
the body, God's not ignoring that. And we can't ignore it. And so here, this church at Thyatira, though there were a lot of good things, the good things didn't give them a pass for the bad things. Now, there is no such thing as a perfect church. None. There are people in the church. And every one of us fail. Every one of us are sinners. And if there is a perfect church and we join it, we just made it imperfect. So the Lord's not expecting us to have a perfect church. But he's given us these churches to look at to help us see where are we at. And to give us a perspective on how the church is supposed to operate and how the church is supposed to be run and what we are supposed to, to accept and not accept. And so this church at, at Thyatira was a church that though they had a lot of good things they were doing, they also had some major bad things that they were allowing. And the Lord was not happy with that. And we just got to guard that in our own life. Let's not be acceptant and tolerant of sin. All right, Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. And I pray that you would help us as we look into it. And Lord, uh, you, you have a special way of addressing things in our own lives, in our own minds, our own hearts. And Lord, it's you that tries the reins and the hearts. And we pray that uh, you would do that and bring conviction where conviction is needed in our lives. Uh, bring encouragement and, and strength and help where it's needed. Uh, but Lord, help us to love people. Uh, help us to love uh, the, the opportunities to be able to serve you. But Lord, help us not to get to a place where we tolerate uh, sinful behavior. And so I pray that you'd bless. Uh, now let's, uh, we'll just have a short invitation. If the Lord spoke to your heart just right where you're at. We'll have the invitation uh, played just for a moment. Maybe just uh, right there in your seat. Talk to the Lord. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.